वसुदेवसुत कंसचाणुरमर्दनम देवकी परमानंदम कृष्णम वंदे जगद्गुरु So we are studying the Bhagavad Gita. We are on the tenth chapter, and um, Krishna has said, "Don't worry, I won't sum it up again. What we have been doing, I keep doing that in every class." Uh, but basically, Krishna is saying that um, God can be experienced, worshipped in this universe. This universe constitutes the glory of God. Now, Arjuna wants to know. so how do i meditate on god how do i worship you krishna in this universe so please give me some details show me how and that's what arjun uh, krishna is going to do uh, from now on so we were uh, doing the the prayer of arjuna to krishna so very beautiful sublime language where he says you are the transcendent brahman param brahma param dhama pavitram the holiest of holies purusham shashvatam you know that that one consciousness eternal consciousness divyam shining adi devam the first among gods unborn and yet in all forms vibhum that means in all forms and then multiple other verses where arjuna asks for for further instruction we have done these verses we were um we have done fifth up to 15 um and then 16 onwards we will will read the prayer continues basically he is praying to krishna for further instruction 16th verse vaktum arhasya sheshena vaktum arhasya sheshena divyayatma vibhutaya divyayatma vibhutaya yabhir vibhuti bhir जस्ट एज in every pot jar made of clay there is clay in every wave there is water in every golden ornament there is gold therefore in everything that has come from god there must be the presence of the divine so you you can tell me in detail without leaving anything out and we'll see when krishna answers starts answering he says i won't tell you in detail there's no end to it <laughs> i'll tell you i give you the highlights you know the the main points what do they call it the cliff notes <laughs> what what the what tldr what's tldr the oh the long story short yeah <laughs> yeah so he he will krishna will say that uh, arjuna said tell me everything in detail i want to know He says there is no end to describing it. You're asking me to describe the universe, but I'll tell you the highlights. Arjuna continues, 
कथम विद्याम योगिन कथम विद्याम योगिन सदा परिचिंतयन तम सदा परिचिंतयन केशु केशु चावेशु केशु केशु चावेशु चिंत्योसी भगवन्मया चिंत्योसी भगवन्मया इन वॉट वेज ऑलवेज थिंकिंग ऑफ यू ओ योगिन कैन आई नो यू इन विच पर्टिकुलर ऑब्जेक्ट्स आर यू टू बी मेडिटेटेड अपॉन बाई बी सो नाउ अर्जुन इज एक्साइटेड दैट आर राइट दिस इज ईजियर यू नो मेडिटेशन विजुअलाइजेशन ऑल दैट इज वेटी डिफिकल्ट बट यू आर सेंग हियर इन दिस वर्ल्ड विच आई कैन सी हियर स्मेल टेस्ट टच विच आई एम ऑलवेज डीलिंग विथ आई कैन समहाउ यूज दिस टू मेडिटेट अपॉन गाड और आई टेल मी हाउ विच आर द हाउ विल आई मेडिटेट वॉट आर योर ग्लोरीज हियर and in which particular objects uh, can i meditate upon god the commentator this particular commentary is sridhar swami's uh, commentary so there he says introducing the next verse he says tadevam bahir mukhe api chitte tatra tatra vibhuti bhedena tat chintayeva yatha bhavet tatha vistarena kathaya ityaha even for extroverted minds so this is what's going on in uh, arjuna's thinking even if my mind is extroverted i really cannot focus inwardly meditation is difficult he's already been taught meditation sixth chapter and uh, now he is happy all right so i don't have to close my eyes and you know stop experiencing the external world and then visualize something internally all that's pretty difficult but i can actually open my eyes and see god in this world that's great how do i do that so bahir mukhe api chitte this is the commentary by sridhar swami even when our minds are restless externalized thinking about the world can i um, use that to think about god meditate upon god teach me how 18th verse vistarenaatmano yogam विस्तरेणात्मनो योगम विभूतिं च जनार्दन विभूतिं च जनार्दन भूया कथ कथय तृप्ति भूया कथय तृप्ति शृण्वत नास्ति मे मृत शृण्वत नास्ति मे मृत ओ जनार्दन tell me once more in detail so again he's asking for detail and krishna will turn him down so i can't give it tell you in detail tell me once more in detail about your powers and glories for i am not satiated by listening to your nectar like words so um this is it is very touching tripti i don't have um satisfaction i want to listen more but well, you already told me this but i want to listen more in detail it, it's very it's very satisfying it's like uh, amritam like nectar like drinking nectar through the years um your words are like nectar so we study the kathamrita the gospel of sri ramakrishna but the original bengali is kathamrita and the word means your your words are like nectar 
Amrita, nectar, katha means words. The words of the divinity are like nectar. So when we hear that, you know, from great spiritual masters, their words may be very simple, but they touch your heart. They uplift us and purify us. They may not say much also, but you always want to be. You, you do not, you can't have enough of their presence. And if they were talk, yeah, they're talking, you cannot have enough of what they are talking about. Something inside is uh, eagerly drinking it in. Uh, not, not for everybody. If you have a little bit of that urge, then you're blessed. Not everybody is. <laughs> if, if we have that urge, if we have a spiritual urge, I like reading spiritual books. I like listening to um, you know, talk about God, spirituality, enlightenment. Uh, that's great, actually. That shows our spiritual journey has well and truly begun. That, that's a, something we can, don't self-congratulate, but at least be happy about it. It's, it's the blessing, it's the grace of God. A dislike for uh, spiritual talk, or uh, that shows a lot of samsara is remaining for us. Nothing, the, the journey will continue, but the samsara is long and the road is arduous. Sri Ramakrishna. So when he was talking, people would be mesmerized, but then not everybody. So there's this funny story about two people, two friends who had come to listen to him, and he's talking about God. He always did, 18 hours, 20 hours a day. So he's talking about God, and people are sitting around him and listening to him. And one of the friends is getting bored. You know, He's sitting, and he whispers to his friend, How much longer? Can we go now? And his friend says, uh, a little longer, let me hear a little more, little more, just a little more. And this first guy, he can't take it anymore. He says, I'll go and wait in the boat. <laughs> so they, they cross the river by the boat, you know, and they want to go back to this, their home. So, all right, I'll wait, but I will not sit here anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go and wait in the boat. Mm. Poor guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't help it. It, it, it will take time, it will take time. Uh, without, without the grace of God, nothing happens. Is reading about, uh, take on the birth of Jesus Christ. And one person, he said, a pastor, he put it very beautifully, that when Mary was expecting Jesus, they went to the, the inn, and that poor, poor innkeeper turned them away. No room. Imagine how famous that inn would have become. <laughs> Forever. But he said, no room. And so those who do not have interest in spiritual life, they are basically saying that. No room. No admit admittance. I don't have time. I don't have you know, patience, interest in this. I find it boring or... Uh, tiresome and Arjuna is just the opposite he says he says here uh, tell me more and I am not satiated the more I hear the more my thirst for this increases this seems to be the only worthwhile thing this is like like uh, nectar so this really encourages the speaker you know if you tell the speaker okay you have told me this earlier I get it get on with it and then the speaker is no longer uh, motivated. So Krishna is encouraged, so he, he will tell Arjuna more. The 19th verse, now Krishna will reply. 
ಶ್ರೀಭಗವಾಚ ಶ್ರೀಭಗವಾಚ ಹಂತತೆ ಕಥಯಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ಹಂತತೆ ಕಥಯಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ದಿವ್ಯಾತ್ಮ ವಿಭೂತಯ ದಿವ್ಯಾತ್ಮ ವಿಭೂತಯ ಪ್ರಾಧಾನ್ಯತಕುರುಶ್ರೇಷ್ಠ ಪ್ರಾಧಾನ್ಯತಕುರುಶ್ರೇಷ್ಠ ನಾಸ್ತ್ಯಂತೋ ವಿಸ್ತರಸ್ಯಾಸ್ತ್ಯಂತೋ ವಿಸ್ತರಸ್ಯಾಸೆಡ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಸೆಡ್ ಅರೈಟ್ ಐ ವಿಲ್ ಟೆಲ್ ಯು ಅಬೌಟ್ ಮೈ ಪ್ರಿನ್ಸಿಪಲ್ ಡಿವೈನ್ ಪ್ರಿನ್ಸಿಪಲ್ ಡಿವೈನ್ ಗ್ಲೋರೀಸ್ ಓ ಬೆಸ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಕುರೂಸ್ ಅರ್ಜುನ ಫಾರ್ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಎಂಡ್ ಟು ದ ಡೀಟೇಲ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಮೈ ಗ್ಲೋರೀಸ್ ಸೊ ಯು ಹವ್ ಆಸ್ಟ್ ಅ ಕಪಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಟೈಮ್ಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ದ ಡೀಟೇಲ್ಸ್ ಯು ನೋ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಎಂಡ್ ಟು ಇಟ್ and some might go thank god <laughs> he does tend to go on and on you know <laughs> so there are 700 verses and 18 chapters to the gita imagine if he had started in detail uh, on each of his glories that means basically description of the universe <laughs> um about that boat story i'm reminded once i was a young monk in our monastery in india in belur and some of our senior monks they wanted to visit this gentleman who was staying in a senior home um, in one of the ashrams his name was badal babu and he was a very senior devotee uh, i had known him for years and years very devoted very pious uh, elderly gentleman so in his last years he spent in a senior home in our ashram in near calcutta borisha now these senior monks um i won't take the names uh, two or three of them are, are still living so they're really senior uh, one of them is a vice president of our order now one of them is has retired from active work lives in uh, banaras another one has passed so they all knew this gentleman from many many years ago so they just wanted to visit him and i another fr- a friend of mine we young monks so we thought it's wonderful to listen to the conversation among these advanced seekers you know so it you it's really um so we were accompanied them just to listen and so we went to this ashram and the gentleman came from the senior home and we had tea together and of course when the monks get together and have tea together and devotees the talk turns either to god or to brahman you know this ultimate reality either philosophically or devotionally so the monk in charge of that senior home he told the gentleman well sir here is a galaxy of great teachers ask all your questions you know or oh, not him sorry he had no questions the, the elderly gentleman had no questions he was he was very devoted but there was a philosopher uh, who was retired and he was living in that senior home very interesting philosopher and one of the most uh, extraordinary people i've met all his life he doubted whether god existed <laughs> but what an intense practice of he was seeking he was trying to understand whether god exists i asked him have you taken initiation you are so devoted you know so many monks he said wait i have to first make up my mind whether god exists or not <laughs> and that he was doing uh, trying for 30 years or 40 years so he was there and the senior then the monk asked look there's so many senior monks present here uh, so why don't you ask to he asked the philosopher ask your questions they will solve your doubts here so the philosopher asked uh, what is the practice of ajatavada this is the highest most radical form of non-dualism of gaudapada in mandukya karika so it's a difficult question and we had swami mumukshanji whose name i can take he has passed 
He was a great teacher, very learned old uh, monk. He started answering. But in between, what happened was, and here's the point of the story, one of the monks, he stood up and said, you go on, I'm going to go and sit in the boat. <laughs> now, those who don't know the background story, there's no boat anywhere around there. What he meant was he was alluding to the story in uh, you know our Sri Ramakrishna story. So, I, so he is a he's a monk, but he's the most practical monk. He is not into all this airy philosophy. So he says, "You can go on, but I'm out." <laughs> so Krishna is saying, "I will give you the highlights, not the glories in detail. Glories, though they are glorious, but in detail they can be pretty tedious." One more story I'll just share with you. I don't think it's entirely relevant, but I, this I experienced many, many years ago. This was about two decades ago. I was invited to give a talk in a village, in a school. And we drove for hours and hours outside Calcutta to reach this remote village. And it's quite an impressive school, actually. A uh, very big school. But it's a village. And um, so they had their annual function of the school. And all the important people, the, you know, the glories of the village, had been invited. You have to have all of them in detail. You can't, you can't exclude anybody there. So all of them were present. And all means, you won't believe it, on the stage, the speakers, there were literally two rows of speakers. I would, I would say about two dozen speakers. Wouldn't that be intimidating for the audience? No, the audience was a very tough audience. They were all little kids. <laughs> and so it's very difficult to speak to them. You know, and all throughout all those speeches, they played and yelled and jumped and ran around, and the teachers yelled at them to keep quiet and listen. It was chaos, it was like a circus. And I was the only monk, so I was I had, was revered, and I know I had to have the last word. So I was going to be the final speaker. Just imagine my condition. <laughs> so I have to sit there, listen to 24 speeches before my turn comes. And so there was speech after speech, all the glories. You know, and then we broke for lunch, and we went and had lunch, and we back again promptly to the stage to more speeches, until evening came. And that was my time to speak. I was the final speaker. Um, the, we were all exhausted, the speakers, and the, but the audience was not exhausted. They were kids, and they were just having a gala time of it all. And then I was asked to speak, and the headmaster came very respectfully, Swami, please come and give your presidential address. So I stood up to speak, and suddenly, in the middle of this speech, there was a whoosh, a sound, and the stage was covered with smoke. I was taken aback, but there were technicians in front, they said, Swami, speak on, go on, go on speaking. <laughs> I, I was thinking, what's happening here? And then I realized, I was sort of a stopgag. They were preparing for the evening theatrical performance. Those were special effects. The smoke machine was being tested. <laughs> I was just supposed to keep the audience seated there. It's really tough when you're speaking and there are all these special effects being tested on the, on the stage. Uh, you're talking about Vedanta and, and Vivekananda. And suddenly, I'm speaking to the microphone like this. And suddenly, another microphone descended from the stage <laughs> and came here in front of me. I looked up and suddenly it went away again. <laughs> and the technician said, keep on speaking, Swami, keep on speaking. So Krishna is not going to let us in for that. He just says, I'll give you the highlights. 
pradhanyata the principal glories which you can meditate upon because nasti anta there is no end to the glories of god then he starts and he starts with the most important 20th aham atma guda kesha aham atma guda kesha sarva bhutashaya sthitah sarva bhutashaya sthitah aham adischa madhyam cha aham adischa madhyam cha bhutanam antaye vacha bhutanam antaye vacha I am O Guru Kesha that means Arjuna the self residing in the minds of all creatures I am the beginning the middle and also the end of all beings what a beautiful thing you know aham atma guru kesha sarva bhutashaya sthitah I am the reality of all things but the first and most important glory you keep in mind everything that you experience what they truly are is god that's why vivekananda said never approach anything except as god what an incredible practice never approach anything anybody any situation except as god if you are seeking god because he says i am the reality of all things atma means the essence the self the reality your reality and everybody else's reality and everything else's reality and everything from a grain of dust to the cosmos you know the quasars out there in in deep space i am from a rock outside to the subtlest of thoughts and feelings i am so i am the essence of everything the self of everything and then this word bhutashaya he has just translated as in the minds of all beings mm antakarneshu this is a deeper meaning ashaya the root is shete to sleep so this i'm taking from a master who has explained it in this way i am when you go to sleep so in your deep sleep you lose all sense of your individual existence all of us we are aware of ourselves now and we are aware of others and we are aware of our individuality and our distinction from others even in dreams we are aware of our you know sentient conscious being but in deep sleep we are not aware of our own existence nor of the existence of others uh, any anything else where the subject and object is merged into um, into one where it is a uniform blankness no distinction is seen nothing is there it seems and krishna says i am there i am awake when you sleep there was a song i should have looked it up it's a very famous old song a christian hymn it was let lead kindly light i think probably and is it is the line there i vaguely recall that evening is coming the darkness surrounds us and evening is is coming close and now i lay me down to sleep uh, and i give my um and give you my soul to keep i think and if my my dear lord if i do not awaken again that in my sleep itself i pass away then i that you take care of me i have forgotten the words very beautiful words 
that uh, i will remain with you so it's in a very devotional way it is sung uh, so is it lead kindly read or some other song children's prayer, children's prayer yeah um so i'll i'm going to sleep now it's not manhattan city city that never sleeps in those uh, years in those centuries evening was there was no electricity and um, you have to go to sleep pretty early finish up and go to sleep and so um i am not there i am completely sh- you know shut down who takes care of me who sustains me god alone is there who sustains me ashaya in deep sleep krishna says i am awake i am the consciousness to which deep sleep appears and if you extend it it is the same consciousness by which you think of yourself as a waker and you're experiencing the waking world in dreams it's the same consciousness you're not aware you're dreaming you think of yourself as an individual in a world strange world of dreams so that same consciousness it lights up your waking the waker and the waking world you and whatever you're experiencing it lights up you the person in the dream and your dream world and it shines in the darkness of deep sleep that one light i am krishna says so it not only illumines not only makes possible all experience but also gives existence i'm translating the hindi or sanskrit satta spurti satta means being that light gives being existence how can consciousness give existence think a good example is our dream in our dreams how do you know anything don't say that you know through your eyes and ears no your eyes are closed your ears are not hearing and yet in your dreams in our dreams we seem to see things and hear things and we 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 talk and walk all of that which goes on in a dream our sense organs and our organs of action whatever we do in a dream whatever we know in a dream actually all of it is being accomplished by only one thing by the mind itself though it seems that i am seeing with eyes and hearing with ears walking with my legs all of it is nothing but mind and it's something we all accept yeah in the dream there was only mind the mind by itself without hands and feet without eyes and ears it heard it saw it walked it held that's what happens in a dream what he is saying krishna is saying that not only i am consciousness but in this waking world also it is consciousness alone which is accomplishing everything giving existence to what we think are bodies and minds and people and objects external object out there no there's no out there out there and in here both are appearing to you in consciousness just mention today i had this very interesting conversation with a noted scientist and philosopher bernardo castro and have some of you heard of him um so he is uh, uh, he is a physicist and engineer also brilliant person and uh, he has been thinking very independently about this whole doctrine of materialism and he has a book why materialism is baloney <laughs> and he's a scientist he comes entirely from a scientific perspective just one example what you get from him uh, for example in today's world where materialism is is sort of the orthodox doctrine it's all material 
the ultimate realities are uh, particles and energy, time and space. And we living beings, these are products, epiphenomenon of certain combinations of matter. And your so-called consciousness and mind are also are epiphenomenon, products of matter. You are not fundamental. You are not a fundamental reality of the universe, nor your mind, nor your consciousness. Matter is the fundamental reality. Um, so he says, and, and when you try to say everything is in consciousness, that sounds crazy. Everything is within consciousness. He reverses it. He says, actually it's materialism which is crazy. <laughs> what does materialism actually say? Okay, if you push it far enough, if you see the implications, the implications of materialism are that your universe, whatever you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, whatever you think or you can think, whatever you know, including science, or can know, everything is inside this skull. The universe which you are experiencing now, this universe, this room, not only this room, Manhattan, and uh, America, and the world, and the galaxies and stars, all of them are in, the, in your skull. You say, no, no, it's outside. No. What does materialism say? This body is real and in this body, in the skull, there is a brain. In the processes of the brain, um, you are constructing a reality which you, the reality which we all experience. Where is it being experienced? In the brain. So literally, literally, if you take it literally, the experience which you are having of the world, of the universe, is here. It is it is in, in a strange sense, it is materialism which implies that the world of our experience is in our skull, inside our skull. <laughs> it's not uh, idealism. And many such interesting things you can hear from him. So Krishna says, I am that one consciousness in which appears the waker and the waker's world, this one, the dreamer and the dreamer's world, and the deep sleep darkness. And then he says, very poetically, I am the beginning of all things, I am the middle of all things, and I am the end of all things. So this can be understood at two levels. One is, as Krishna has been explaining, everything has come from God. So God is, if you remember this discussion of material cause, just as all clay pots have come from clay, all um, golden ornaments have come from gold. Come from means they are made of clay. And so at the beginning of the pot is clay, at the beginning of the, of the necklace is gold. But what's there in the middle of the pot, when the pot exists? What's there? Clay. And in fact, the pot exists in clay. Think about this language. We may say, there is, oh, there is clay in this pot, there is wood in this table. But is that accurate or is the table in wood? Is there a table and in which wood has been filled? No. It is wood which has been given the form and uh, function and name of a table. Nama Rupa Vyavahara. Similarly, in the middle, it is clay. The beginning, it was a lump of clay when the pot was fashioned. When it is a pot, when it looks like a pot and you call it a pot and you use it as a pot and you store water in it or whatever you do, put flowers in it, it's still clay. The middle of things is, Krishna says, I am the beginning. God is the beginning from which the universe has come. And I am the middle of the universe. In the middle, I am alone there. And at the end, where does the clay go? When, where does the pot go? When you break a pot, what do you get? Clay. Broken pot. Pot sherds. 
it's um, actually you know there was this um, minister in india who said we to stop pollution people have tea in the trains and they throw these paper cups and plastic cups everywhere and it it looks awful we should make it you know biodegradable so she started um this what you call matka in india yeah so clay pots little pots where you can have tea so if, if you throw it away also it will go back to the earth except it doesn't one thing should have stuck us uh, struck her and all the all the others brilliant other brilliant people who came up with this idea what's the most long lasting artifact that human beings have found <laughs> wherever you dig up an ancient civilization what do you come across first pots broken pots <laughs> once it's burnt and put in a uh, you know they made uh, given a shape and uh, it doesn't become clay but, but still it's not harmful for the environment not like plastics or like paper or something so he says i am at the beginning god as the material cause of the universe is the beginning of the universe in the middle of the universe at the end of the universe in fact this is the definition of god in brahman in the brahma sutras the first sutra of the brahma sutras is athato brahma jigyasa hence therefore an inquiry into brahman then the question will come what is brahman janmadyasya yataha that from which birth et etc arise those are very cryptic the sutras you have to expand them birth etc from which that that's what it means so what does it if expand it what does it mean it means brahman is that from which this universe appears in which it exists and into which it disappears asya jagata janmasthiti bhanga yasma tad brahma what is brahman is that from which the universe appears which is in the middle when it stays and when it disappears back it goes to brahman so that's the definition of brahman he's saying here i am the so in these two verses these two lines what a remarkable thing he has done i am the consciousness you the i am your essence whether you are awake or in dreaming or in deep sleep i am the awareness which illumines all your experiences and what about this universe what you experience the objective universe i am that too when it begins when it exists and when it ends i am that here what he has said said is atman is brahman tattvamasi he has put them together if you go a little further he has not explicitly said that but he said i am your reality i am the reality of this universe also i am the reality of the subject and the reality of the object this is only the first level there is a deeper level involved here and what he says see how deep this can go what is he saying how deep the rabbit hole goes alice in wonderland aham adischa madhyam cha bhutanam anta eva cha we have this feeling and a lot of people yes at the beginning there was brahman and the scriptures tell us that and every religion says that god was there at the beginning but now brahman has appeared as the universe so it's the universe now and at the end of the universe it will be brahman again in between well you may say there is god everywhere but basically this is the world these are people this is good and that's bad and this is evolution going from uh, a speck of amoeba to a human being and beyond what not all of this is happening and this is the reality where we are at now 
Maybe at the beginning it was God. Maybe at the very end of the universe of the cosmos, it will be Brahman, God, whatever. But right now we have to say that this. Krishna is denying this. The beginning I was. And the end I will be. But in the middle, I am the same one who I am. There is not one thing that has happened in between. Again, it's in re remarkable. If there's not one thing that has happened in between, what he is denying is causality. What the whole language of this chapter is causality. The universe is produced from God and dissolves back into God. Pots are produced from clay and dissolves back into clay, hopefully. So, cause is the beginning and effect is pot or in the case of God and the universe, the universe. And at the end it will be clay again. But, or at the end it will be God again. In between, but we have this. now, And Krishna says, absolutely not. Just as I was Brahman to begin with, and I am Brahman now, and I'll be Brahman in the end. What you think of as the universe is but mere appearance. Light and shadow. Name and form. This whole doctrine of Jagat Mithya, the falsity, the illusory presentation, magical presentation of a universe, that's implied here. Not explicitly said here. The denial of causality. Where are you getting this Swami? I'm getting this from cause, and the cause, then the effect, and the effect comes goes back to the cause. Um, karana, Karya, again Karana. Pot, a uh, clay, pot, clay again. God, universe, God again. Back to God again. But he says no. It is clay and clay and clay. It is um, God and God and God. Brahman and Brahman and Brahman. Then what? what's all this? All this which happened? It didn't. It didn't. Even while it's happening. Even while you're experiencing it. It's like, um, you know, you go to a movie and all the terrible tragedies which you see, which the hero has to go through and we weep with the travails of the hero and we laugh with the successes of the hero and all of that. But at the same time we know none of that is really happening. That's what makes it bearable. That's what makes it aesthetic. If it was really happening, we would, um, we can't enjoy somebody else's tears if, they, if you at all thought they were real. A denial of causality. God is present as much here as at the beginning of the universe as at the end of the universe. The entire universe, the appearance, existence and disappearance is at a lower level of reality. It's a display, like a magical display. Sri Ramakrishna used to say, the magician alone is true, not the magic. What is the magic? The appearance of this universe, the apparent existence of this universe and our role in it. Going through lifetime after lifetime of spiritual struggle and uh, hoping to get enlightenment at some long distance in this life or next life. All of that didn't happen. You were Brahman earlier, you are Brahman now, you continue to be Brahman. What a great, great um, security. What a great, great assurance, reassurance. No matter how guilty we feel, how unsatisfied we feel, how unfulfilled we feel. 
our real nature as infinite existence consciousness place is not tarnished it's not tarnished in the least by anything that we say do think or anything that is happening to us good or bad or terrible remember i'm not denying the importance of this world importance of morality see all that can have the effect of impeding our spiritual progress and stopping us from becoming enlightened so if i'm immoral that will lengthen my spiritual journey if i'm moral and ethical and try very hard that will make my spiritual journey faster that much faster but in either case my real nature as brahman is untouched ever shining even if the sun be covered up with dark clouds doesn't seem to be present there also it's still blazing forth as much as it is blazing forth in a bright blue sky the same sun though it sometimes seems completely covered up sometimes seems blazing forth all the time is actually blazing forth and that's our our real nature that's what krishna is saying here today and again i can't help but um, tell you in today in my conversation with a leading scientist and this researcher and he says entirely from uh, physics perspective and um, what he propounds now analytic idealism i must say none of this has ever happened uh-huh. nothing has happened in the midst of everything happening it's only when you accept time and space then things can happen so he said what is this universe he said these are patterns of excitation in consciousness i objected from a nadvaitik perspective that there can be no excitation in consciousness it's only in the mind body external universe and he said yes swami i completely agree with you but what i said is a concession to language you must explain it in some language so if you and i told him that if you say patterns of excitation in in consciousness the kashmiri shaivas will be very happy with you because that's what they mean um, it's this universe is the vibration of shiva spanda advaitins will say it's more like an appearance or a magic show or like a film on a screen then 21 verse number 21 so at any point you want to have an observation comment you can you're free to jump in just raise your hand our volunteers will bring a microphone to you you can ask your question then 21 adityanam aham vishnu adityanam aham vishnu jyotisham ravirangshuman ज्योतिषाम रविरंगशुमानीचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृताचिर्मृ
of the adityas i am vishnu of luminaries i am the radiant sun of the maruts i am marichi and among constellations i am the moon so among shining beings among the shining gods i am vishnu vishnu is the all pervading lord uh, who is the creator uh, uh, not creator was specially preserver so somebody was working in environmental you know sustainability is a big thing now and i said this actually um, divine work it's spiritual work it's the function of vishnu vishnu is the preserver you know somebody asked that um, why should god be interested if uh, brahman is the only reality whether the universe exists doesn't exist doesn't matter brahman is real and the world is false true but all of this is the play of god in order to help us to become enlightened that's one interpretation in if we need help to become enlightened if we need this life then the world has to be preserved nature has to be preserved civilization has to be preserved so if you are working for the preservation of nature of civilization of society communities you are doing god's work literally it's the work of vishnu why has krishna come why do avatars come exactly for that for to maintain uh, you know society and the world so that's the idea uh, behind vishnu and he says among all the adityas there is a um concept of the 12 adityas but let, let's just say among the gods i am vishnu uh, among the shining heavenly uh, objects i am the sun the radiant sun um and at night among the constellations i am the moon among the heavenly bodies shining heavenly bodies what does that mean so i'm not i'm the sun i'm not anything else no it just means you need something to meditate upon so here is a particularly glorious manifestation the sun here is a particularly glorious manifestation at night the moon and meditate upon god uh, in the form of the moon uh, in the form of the sun you might say how ridiculous is that the sun is a ball of hydrogen burning hydrogen terribly hot krishna would be burned to a crisp if he if he's sitting in the sun uh, you know eknath ishwaran he writes a beautiful commentary in his book called the end of sorrow three volumes so there is he gives a beautiful image of the blue hued krishna in the middle of what he says 13 million degrees centigrade in the middle of the sun playing his flute <laughs> if he plays it a little um, on a higher note the sun blazes forth and consumes um the inner planets and makes life impossible It'll burn earth to a cinder if his notes go a little softer the sun burns dimmer and all life is frozen out on earth so he plays the exact note necessary he said that's all poetry it's not science but then there is this whole idea i'm not going to that was whole idea of certain universal constants and this is what cosmologists they can't really explain why is the universe the certain um certain constants certain um, parameters of important variables like um like the nuclear force and gravitation um these are set at certain values which makes life possible why there could be any number of other variables and there could be a lifeless universe why only this particular setting in this huge range who selected how did it happen Stephen Hawking said who put the fire in the equations so i can explain it through equations but there could have been nothing or it could have been different but who put the who puts the fire in the equations 
So, yes. Aham Vishnu. And I am the sun. Yes, it's a ball of um, um, hydrogen, no doubt. But if we are looking at it as one consciousness in which everything appears, then there will be consciousness associated even with the physical, this vast, powerful fusion reaction, which is the sun. You can legitimately think of uh, God associated with the sun. The sun can remind you of God. It's a glory of God. The moon can remind you of God. It's a glory of God, and so on. Let's do a few more. Number 22. Vedanam samavedosmi Vedanam samavedosmi Devanamasmi vasava Devanamasmi vasava Indriyanam manaschasmi Indriyanam manaschasmi Bhutanamasmi chetana Bhutanamasmi chetana Of the Vedas I am the Samaveda Of the gods I am Indra Of the senses I am the mind and in beings I am consciousness. Very interesting. So the four Vedas, the collections of these ancient texts, and the basis of Sanatana Dharma, Hinduism, I would say in one sense the basis of Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism, all the Indic religions which came up at that time. Even if you reject the Vedas, you're still building your religion upon the Vedas in that sense. But it's built around the rejection of certain teachings of the Vedas. So, um, at the root of this Indic civilization, and again I'll quote Bernardo, today he was saying that um, many years ago when I started talking about the importance of consciousness, people said, you are plagiarizing the Upanishads. And I wasn't because I had I never read them, so I thought I should read them. This was like decades ago. And said, when I was reading them, I found they were right. Innocently I was doing it, but I was saying something that the the um, the ancient Hindus uh, in the Indus Valley, uh, three to five thousand years ago, at least, yeah. they had said these things. And he says that it's thrilling to think how could these ancient people have this sophisticated, nuanced understanding of consciousness and reality. So he says, I am among the Vedas, he selects the Sama Veda. There's a Rig Veda, Yajur Veda, Atharva Veda. Among them, he selects the Sama Veda. Sama Veda is musical, so maybe Krishna likes music. Again, does it mean that he is not the other Vedas? No, there's a thing to be understood. He is the other Vedas, but you can meditate upon me, upon God, as the Sama Veda. When you hear the Sama chanting, think of, think of me. It's a meditation. Deva Namasmi Vasava. Here, it means Indra, the king of the Devatas. So when we go through these glories which Krishna is mentioning, some of them will seem familiar to us. We are all familiar with the sun and the moon and we have sort of heard of the Vedas. But some of them will be unfamiliar to us. The Rudras, the twelve Adityas. Um, so they were familiar to the Vedic people and, and they have passed into disuse or become obsolete in modern Hinduism. So we may have a vague idea of what Krishna is referring to. Indriyana manaschasmi. Among all the senses, I am the mind. So here is a big debate. Is the mind a sense or not? The traditional conclusion is that the mind is not a sense. Sense organ. Sense organs are which contact the world. So eyes are in touch with forms, colors, shapes. 
The ears are in contact with sound, nose with fragrance or odor, tongue with taste, skin with touch and temperature. But the mind is not directly in contact with an external world. The mind gets its information from the senses. The sensory systems dump their information in the mind. And the mind is an inner sense, so to say, not an external sense. That's why the, the classical formulation is there are five sense organs, human beings, five sense organs and an inner instrument called antakkarana, inner instrument. That's what generally we call the mind. Memory, ego, um, um, the sense of the intellect, capacity to understand, um, and the mind itself, mano, buddhi, chitta, hankara, all of them, they constitute an inner sense, not a sense, sense organ. And another view is, no, there are six sense organs, the five senses plus mind. And so Krishna seems to favor this, uh, the latter view. He says, among the sense organs, uh, among the organs, I am mind. The mind is the most important of the senses because all the senses report to the mind and the mind makes sense of all of it, the, the information coming in from the world. And in all sentient beings, I am consciousness. From an Advaitic perspective, what does he mean? This is the reflected consciousness, which is makes each individual feel like an individual sentient being, a conscious being. This is what basically consciousness studies people are studying now, trying to understand. And here is the remarkable thing. This is the one thing that cannot be reduced to the body. To the body. Again, one aspect of today's discussion was how interesting it is that the new technology computers, internet, especially AI and robotics, they are able to mimic, replicate every activity of human beings, every aspect of our minds also. Intelligence. They can, for a long time they have been able to defeat um, grandmasters in chess. Memory. And their memory, even the memory of an ordinary calculator beats us in general. Now creativity, without things which uh, computers won't be able to do. Creativity. Chat GPT and all, you know. Uh, so, uh, and there are AIs which draw better than uh, human beings, which are now writing short stories. There was this uh, um, science fiction magazine, I heard a report. Science fiction magazine. So they must have published many stories in the past decades about how computers will replace all of us and all. And they had to shut down. Why? They got so many submissions of short stories all written by the AI, not by human beings. Now what do they do with that? It could be a publishing revolution. Now people say that, oh, will they be able to write masterpieces? Are most authors today, human authors, writing masterpieces? No. <laughs> will they be able to write second grade novels? Yes, very much so. Which most of the <laughs> literature produced today is. So will, um, uh, will text-based uh, AIs be able to write stories and, uh, yes. I once, twice, I asked ChatGPT to write poems for me about Vivekananda. Came up with beautiful poems, far better than I could have written. <laughs> Each time a new poem. Every time you give it, uh, it will write another poem for you. You can generate, it might take me days and days to compose a nice passable poem on Vivekananda. 
chat gpt can give you a poem every minute for the as long as you are <laughs> every time you ask and all of it will be new how can you compete anyway um so every aspect and this is what we discussed today with uh, the scientist every aspect of the human mind is being replicated and you may say it's not really memory it's not really intelligence it's not really creativity all right i'll go along with that it's a mimicking of that but very powerfully so however except one thing this is what krishna is saying the consciousness within us the capacity to have first person experience to feel pain to see the color red to hear sound you might say we are recording this so the recording is um, hearing sound and capturing images yes but it has no internal experience the camera is not having an experience of seeing and hearing it is consciousness which does that and that's also the reflected consciousness the chidabhasa the reflected consciousness which enables us to have the feeling of life itself this internal feeling all of us are having all the time and my question to the scientist was see creativity is a complex thing intelligence is a complex thing first person experience is pretty simple just the ability to feel the experience you know the mouse is not smart deep blue the computer program is smart but the mouse can feel pain when a cat catches it deep blue can't feel pain or anything else so the ability to feel something experience something that's what consciousness gives us this reflected consciousness actually that's what we get and it's such a simple thing so my question to the scientist was shouldn't it have been pretty easy for uh, computer scientists you know even before we came up with um, ai that could have intelligence and creativity and write short stories and what not and compose poems just to feel why why that can't be done not only it cannot be done the computer scientists they have no idea at all how to do that no idea no idea even how to begin how to do that so when we speak about the mind it has intelligence it has um, memory it has uh, ego conscious uh, the ego awareness it has uh, um, what you call uh, creativity decision making and consciousness no 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 they are not on the same level consciousness even of the reflected kind which is chidabhas which krishna is talking about is not like the other activities of the mind or the body so krishna says here in all bodies and minds in all sentient beings i am i am that which you directly experience as consciousness all right anybody has a comment now yes a couple of comments um the person who raised the hand there three comments so and that's all i won't take any more and the two persons who raised their hands here swami ji um in the analogy of the the movie the universe as the movie is it fair to say that the spirituality and um including morality uh devotion meditation all of that is basically a journey from identifying yourself with the character to identifying yourself as a movie watcher the movie watcher or the screen. see in the case of the movie the screen is different and you the watcher are different i'm watching and there is a movie out there but what krishna said here is 
I am the consciousness in your waking, dreaming, deep sleep. And I am that which appears as the universe, the beginning, middle and end of that. So, both. So, in the case of the universe, you are the watcher, you are the screen and you are the movie itself. And morality, civilization itself, all our progress is moving from not knowing ourselves to knowing ourselves. Or, um, in fact, today somebody asked, or the scientist asked, is it uh, necessary to consider the world to be false um, or is there another way of dealing with this in Advaita Vedanta? And Vivekananda's formulation is a direct answer. We do not pass from error to truth, but from lower truth to higher truth. The better and better degrees of understanding. So immorality is, is still true. Uh, uh, evil, it's still a truth. You can't dismiss it as non-existent, as a fiction. But a better fiction would be, a higher fiction, something that is closer to our true nature, would be morality. Vivekananda gave three tests of truth. Three tests. He says, strength, not weakness. That which makes you weak, reject it as poison. Anything, physically, mentally, morally, anything that weakens you, reject it as poison. Intellectually. Second test of truth. Uh, he says, uh, he says that anything that makes you selfless is true. That which makes us more selfish is untrue or lower truth. And then third test was unites. The truth, whether in, in society, in our lives or in science, that which unites is a higher truth. And that which divides is not true or is a lower truth. So yeah, you, I mean, I'm just repeating what you are saying. The young man here. Raise your hand. Swamiji, uh, so you said someone who is unkind or malicious has a longer spiritual journey than someone who is loving and kind. But we also said that both are Brahman. Yes. The idea of good and bad are also Brahman. Yes. And they're indistinguishable slash united in Brahman. So why is one's path longer than the other? One's path is longer than the other, not as Brahman. Brahman is the same. So, um, there are a couple of examples which Vivekananda gave. You can take pictures of the sun from different distances. From here you can take a picture of the sun. From Pluto you can take a picture of the sun. Or you can take a picture of the sun from Mercury, for example. They look very different. Uh, in Mercury, if you take a picture, it's vast and filling the sky and blazing. Um, Pluto, it's dim and shining in the distance. And here it's sort of in between. But they are all the same thing. From the perspective of the sun, was it brighter, middle luminescence or dim? None. It's exactly what it was always. So from the perspective of Brahman, which you are, no change. But what is changing your, is your reading of yourself. Vivekananda gives multiple examples. So he says, it's like looking at your face uh, in various mediums. You look at your face in a dirty pool of water, then in a clean pool of water. Then in a mirror, a glass mirror. Then finally maybe a you know, high-grade polished platinum mirror. All of them, they, your experience will keep changing. But they're all reflections of... And none of them are ultimately true. The truth is here. And it's exactly the same always. Um, so these are different examples which Vivekananda has given. Uh, another example is of, the, of a screen. If you make a small hole in a screen, you can see a little bit of what's behind it. 
And a bigger and bigger hole, more and more of what's behind it will be revealed. But from the perspective of what's behind it, it's still always the same. The, prob the change is in the, in the screen. So it'll make a big difference if someone is moral and someone is immoral. Someone is ignorant, someone is knowledgeable. Someone is strong, somebody is weak. The strong, the moral, the knowledgeable, they are closer to a better reflection of, of Brahman than if I am immoral and weak and unethical and selfish and small. Yeah. So this is a very interesting way of defining morality and ethics. It's a big subject. How do you know what is right and wrong? The whole uh, field of ethics. And so that which takes you closer to your nature, reflects your nature better is moral. That which distorts your real nature is immoral. Uh, this is from an Advaitic perspective. The last question here. Hi, uh, my name is Mihir, and uh, the question I have is that <clears throat> you made a commentary on um, those who listen to spiritual talks, and um, you know, it's, a, it's a good path that they're on. Yeah. Um, is it wrong to question spiritual leaders? Uh, no, no, no. you must question. Them? So the questioning is of uh, two kinds. One is a skeptical questioning. I know it's all uh, you know baloney. Not materialism is not baloney. Spirituality is baloney. And I'm here to set you straight. So I've already made up your mi my mind about what you're teaching. It could be Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever it is, or you know, um, uh, Advaita or whatever. And I've made up my mind. You're wrong. Um, it's all woo woo. It's, you know. <laughs> and then the questions are coming from a perspective where you cannot really reply to that because the person has made up his or her mind. There's no answer to that. That kind of question is unhelpful. That's what was always discouraged. But especially, now again, questioning uh, the teacher or the teachings, this uh, differs from the path to path. So in a path like, say, Advaita Vedanta, one must question. The questioning is to understand. If you don't understand, the path of Advaita will not work for you. In the path of yoga, your questioning might be just to clarify points of instruction. But not more than that, because then you have to take those instructions and do it and see for yourself. Um, our teachers who initiate us into mantra and meditation, often, they, in general, we have never heard them give detailed talks on the science of mantra. There's a huge science of the mantra, but they don't give detailed talks about that. Instead, instead what they tell us is, um, keep doing it, you'll understand. The practice will show you in a much deeper way than it would be if I just give you a lecture on it. So that is the yogic approach. So there is a, uh, what would you question in the yogic approach? If you are a sincere seeker, there would still be questioning. It's just that if the instructions of the teacher, this meditation and uh, you know, aspects of practice are not clear to me, I would like to clarify. Do I do it this way, that way? What does this mean? What does that mean? That much. You know. There might be a devotional approach where the idea is to cultivate love and faith in God. You cannot start by questioning there. It starts with Shraddha, with, with uh, absolute acceptance. The existence of God, if you start by questioning it, then the path of devotion is not for you. Luckily in Hinduism, you have a spectrum of other paths. So if you don't accept the existence of God, it doesn't appeal to you, or you question it, no problem. You can still have spirituality. You can have a yogic spirituality. You can have an Advaitic, the Jnani spirituality. These paths are open to you. In the Jnani's path, you must question. 
Uh, clarity is very important at every step. And it's only through your questions that the teacher can teach. If Arjuna had no questions here, the Gita would be terribly short. <laughs> Most of the Upanishads, you will see they are dialogues. And the new teaching starts only when there is a question. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's the point. The Buddhists have this terminology. Don't study like a, don't listen like a le leaky part, uh, upside down part and dirty part. So a le uh, leaky part, an upside down part is that which does not retain anything. You try to pour water into it, just roll off the sides. So people come, listen, what did you hear? Oh, what do I know? All very high stuff, you know. <laughs> the second one is the leaky part. So I come, I listen and I collect something. I, I feel I got something, but after some time it's gone. I got something, but I, I'm very vague about it now. I have to look into my notes or <laughs> and look at the YouTube talk again. This leaky part. The third is a dirty part. Dirty part is already there's dirt inside. So whatever you put inside will be polluted. The, the skeptical approach in the sense that I know this is wrong. Now I'm trying to find out the ways in which this is wrong. Okay, one more a little thing I'll add here. Something that I've noticed. See, the traditional teachers insisted on Shraddha. And we don't really talk about that too much. Vivekananda gave great importance on Shraddha. Because in our modern approach, it's, um, Shraddha means faith. A kind of um, deep sense of what this person says and what these texts say is true, but I don't get it yet. But it's true. There is something there. Let me go ahead. Without this, no investigation is possible. You can't sign up for a course in, in Columbia University. If you don't have Shraddha on the syllabus and the text and the teacher. Yeah. If you say it's all wrong, why would you pay thousands of dollars and, uh, <laughs> and go to listen to something that's all wrong? Um, so that, that kind of Shraddha is very necessary. And that's, that's the least that we talk about. You don't talk about more than that. But much more than that is actually necessary. I'm seeing the many different ways in which the deep Shraddha helps. I mean, lack of Shraddha obstructs us. Two examples I'll give you. Two levels. One level is... I don't have much Shraddha. I mean, Shraddha in the sense of deep feeling of reverence for the teacher and the material. But I'm curious. And I'm excited about this philosophy. The danger of that is, right at the beginning, I don't understand what's going on, but I really like it. It sounds cool. And because it's a matter of understanding, so very soon, I begin to understand. If I really put some effort into it, if I read the books, listen to the talks, think about it, I begin to understand. Then I get a grasp, my own grasp, a foothold on the subject. And immediately, if there's a lack of Shraddha, what will happen is, I start judging the teacher and the text, start finding faults with, um, you know, your understanding is not quite right. And let me correct you on this one. You might say, what's wrong with that? No, it's not, it, it's wrong. Because the, the, the approach with Shraddha would have been, I don't understand what you said. This is my understanding. Could you help me from my understanding to what you have said? It's not only the polite way of approaching, it's the way with Shraddha. Without Shraddha is, I read it, I got it, and this person seems, now, now my teacher seems to be saying something different, so he's wrong. Um, so, it's like, there's a story of um, uh, an elderly person who was passing away, and his sons gathered around him. And he said, I have 
Many people who borrowed money from me, and the sons quickly took down the notes. Father, tell us before you pass, whom did you borrow money from? And uh, whom, whom, who borrowed money from you? You know, we need to collect that. And then the father, in the last gasps of his dying breath, uh, you know, he says, um, and I borrowed money from a few people. I'll just tell you, you have to pay back that. And the younger son asks his elder brother, what's father saying? We'll be ruined. And the uh, elder brother says, this happens, you know, at the point of death, delirium sets in. It's, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lack of shraddha in the teacher. You wouldn't step up to correct the teacher. Now the teacher lands up in a trouble, they're hot water, because now the teacher knows where the student is going wrong and what should be said next. But now the student is not willing to listen anymore. It, he or she thinks he's got it. Text, they find fault with the text. This must be a misprint. Uh, I, it, I understood it right. Shankara didn't quite get it. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's lack of shot. That's one big problem. One mustn't do that. Uh, I see some of the wisdom of the old ways there. Uh, I mean, if you go, some, go to some of those old classes, some of them are still there. I have seen. There's no question of, there's no question of questioning. There's, uh, there is uh, the class, the teacher comes, you sit, listen, and then go. Uh, I'll tell you, Swami Chinman, and the founder of the Chinmay Mission, uh, he, uh, he studied under Tapovan Maharaj, a great teacher, but a tra very traditional teacher. And after the class, every day there will be two classes, and then you go back to your cave or uh, hut or whatever, the high Himalayas. So one day, he asked a question and uh, the master looked at him and said, in Hindi I'll translate, he said, Jaiya Brahmachari ji, manan ki ji. Brahmachari is a novice monk. Go back to your cave or hut, whatever, and um, reason it out. Think about it. And I'm not going to give you any answer. And at that point, if you say, oh, the teacher is awful, I, I can't learn here. You know, that's your loss. So that's one way uh, Shraddha operates. It helps you to hold on uh, and keep on inquiring and take the help of the Guru. Otherwise you lose the help of the teacher. The teacher, even the teacher wants, can't help you because you're not willing to take the help anymore. The deeper, the second level at which Shraddha operates, Vivekananda has said this, and I have heard it from traditional teachers and I'm beginning to see. Shraddha is the shortest way to enlightenment. You know, if I have a deep, unshakable faith in which the teacher is, what the teacher is saying, the teacher says, Tattvam Asi, you are that. It can lead to direct enlightenment. Because I am that reality. It can break through on the sheer power of Shraddha. Um, Ashtavakra, the great non-dualist, gives a lot of descriptions, I mean, a lot of ways, um, doorways into enlightenment. At one point he says, Shraddhasva tata shraddhasva matra bohang kurushva bho. One way, suppose you don't get any enlightenment, and you don't get any of the arguments, you don't get any of this what teachings, if you don't get it, it's not real for you. Forget it, forget the whole thing. Just believe it. Just believe it, just sheer belief. I'm telling you, believe it, you are Brahman. That will lead you to enlightenment. But that requires Shraddha. One sadhu in the Himalayas, he said, very, very, I now I remember, um, he said, Ye Shraddha bahut badi shakti hoti hai. 
महात्मा जी हम इसको आजकल के ज़माने में नष्ट कर देते हैं सो दिस श्रद्धा दिस स्ट्रॉन्ग बिलीफ इन द टीचिंग्स इज अ इज अ ग्रेट पावर विथ चिल्ड्रेन आर बॉन्ड विथ एंड वी डिस्ट्रॉय इट सिस्टमेटिकली आवर होल मॉडर्न इट्स अ नीचन हर्मेनोटिक्स ऑफ सस्पेशन नॉट बिलीफ यू मस्ट क्वेश्चन एवरी बिलीफ दैट्स गुड इफ इट लीड्स यू फॉरवर्ड बट इफ इट जस्ट पैरालाइज इन टू एवरीथिंग इज रॉन्ग एवरीथिंग इज ऑफुल एंड देन दैट्स इट इट्स ऑफुल ना ना एनी वे आई कुड से अलॉट मोर अबाउट दिस बट दिस क्वेश्चनिंग एंड श्रद्धा दे गो टूगेदर सो क्वेश्चनिंग विथ श्रद्धा विथ 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 फेथ एंड विथ रेवरेंस दैट हेल्प्स ओम शांति 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 हरि ओम तत्सत्ष्णमस्त स्वामी विवेकानंद सेज दैट देर आर अ फ्यू फॉर होम द मोमेंट इट इज सेट दैट दाउ दैट दाउ आर्ट इट इज डन इन अ फ्लैश द वर्ल्ड डिसअपियर्स एंड ऑल दैट इज लेफ्ट इज द लिमिटलेस रेडियंस बट देर आर फ्यू एंड देन ही सेज द रेस्ट ऑफ अस मस्ट लेबर थ्रू लाइफ टाइम्स ऑफ एफर्ट 